Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's Around the House. Welcome to Around the House show. We have a little bit of a different show ahead today. You know, it's summertime. We like to go out and go boating, have a good time. Well, we're going to talk fast boats today. We have Daryl Strong, one of the owners of Strong Racing and the Unlimited Hydroplane Circuit. We are going to have a lot of fun today talking H1 Unlimited, fast boats, having to rebuild one and how do you go about that, as well as we have Brent Hall, an upcoming driver in the H1 Unlimited Circuit. So we're going to have a little bit of fun talking boats, little build of building and putting a boat back together from a recent accident that they had out in Indiana. So this is going to be a big show today. Something a little bit different. Enjoy it. And let's have some fun with unlimited hydroplane racing and boating. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know, but we've got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B, where we typically talk home improvement every single weekend. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Caroline, we're going to go a little off the reservation today, aren't we? We are, but it's good. We like to broaden our audience. You guys have got something new to learn about. I love it. Absolutely. So we're going to talk here a little bit of unlimited hydroplane racing because, you know, I grew up doing this and we've got a lot of different radio audiences out there that catch around the house that have this in their neighborhood. So we want to make sure and help those guys out as well. And if there's nothing about unlimited hydroplane racing, is it a bunch of people doing DIY when it comes down to it as a team? And so this is kind of the ultimate DIY project. I want to introduce Daryl Strong from Strong Racing and my favorite driver out there, Brent Hall. Welcome to Around the House, brothers. Thank you. Hello, guys. Thank you. Yep, exciting. And for the so audience, Brent, if you love NASCAR, this is way better. Like, this is the ultimate cream puff. So just tell our audience, Eric, a little bit about what this is, because not everybody knows. I'm from New York, so we don't have it here. At least that I'm aware of. So we'll talk to these guys here about it, but I grew up in the Tri-Cities in Kenwick, Pasco, Richland, Washington, uh, where we have 610 KONA radio that uh, thanks guys for carrying the show. I grew up there living on the Columbia. My parents had a house up off Canal Drive and I would sit up there and I would hear these big Rolls Royce Allison engines as a kid waking me up when the first boat would hit the water and I would go watch the races and hang out in the pits and I would watch this circle track of unlimited hydroplane racing where guys back in the day Safety was a thought, but secondary. It was the best they had with the technology at the time. And uh, I would go out and watch people doing, you know, 150 to 200 miles an hour as a kid watching on the right river out there. And it was a lot of fun. And now I think the sport is coming back into its heyday. And I want to ask Daryl about this because we've got parity in this sport like never before. I mean, back in the day when I was a kid, 
when I really was old enough to understand it, it was like the Miss Budweiser and the Atlas Van Lines, and it was just dual battle, and everybody else cleaned up afterwards. Daryl, what's your thought on unlimited hydroplane racing where it is today? I was reading a book that I think um, David Williams wrote, uh, who runs the uh, the museum, and uh, as just a hydroplane racing in the Tri Cities. And you mm-hmm. look at national championships, and like Budweiser won thirteen out of fourteen years. Mm-hmm. And you think the great thing now is I think Brent, when you think at least four boats could win any race, and yep. uh, um, you look at our boat in Madison. Um, was uh, neck and neck with the boat, uh, the Home Street boat that's won most of the national championships for the last uh, six, seven years. And we were actually going faster on the outside until we, you know, took off like an airplane. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get to that because that's a a whole other subject. But, you know, Brent, you know, you are – a veteran, but up and coming as well in this sport. Uh, I think you have some, in my opinion, at least you've got some huge days ahead of you out there as a driver. Where do you think that unlimited hydroplane racing is right now? Yeah, no, I think we're, we're in an exciting time. This is a time where, as Daryl mentioned, we've got four to five boats that could win these races at any time. And you were talking about the history. You're absolutely right. Um, it could either have been the Budweiser or the Atlas Van Lines back in the day, right? Yep. But now to have several boats that can win. And for me, I think the big thing, we've got to get the stories out about the drivers and uh, for people to get to know the drivers. Yes. So just like we're doing with this particular podcast, you need to know who we are. And so I think that's one of the things that's really important to me. And there's great stories behind that and excited to share some of those throughout this podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. Daryl, so let's let's start out with you kind of the history of this. You know, we talked a little bit before the show started, but uh, how did you get into unlimited hydroplanes? Because I know you grew up in the same town I did. Yeah, I mean, you can't grow up in the Tri-Cities, Washington, without being a hydro fan. Uh, well, if, if you're not, everybody's shocked because it's, it's like our Super Bowl. Yeah. And, and little did I know that I know now after being at all the race courses, it's actually the best one. Cool. It's, it's the best race. You can ask anybody. But I started going. We moved there when I was seven, and we went to somebody's house up on Canal by where you, yep. you lived and saw the aerial view. And I got to watch it in 67, which was the second year. I think it started in 1966. That was Atomic uh, Cup days, right? I think uh, Miss Bardall won. And, cool. uh, and it was just I'd never seen anything like that in my life. And then uh, probably the most told story in every interview I've ever done is uh, I took my wife on our first date when we're 15 yeah. to a boat race. Um, nice. And we've been married 43 years now. So we got married right out of high school. But that was our first date. And it was just a big part of our life. I mean, anybody, I mean, you would know this, Eric, growing up the Tri-Cities when they had the uh, the piston boats. And, and back then, they would actually come like on Tuesday or Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, it was yes, Monday, Tuesday. Week. It was a yeah. whole week. Yeah. And you could hear those boats. And when you did, you'd get on your bicycle and ride as fast as you could to the river. So you yep. could watch whoever was out there. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. And where I was up on Canal, there was times that I would go down there. I was running across the freeway down there trying to get across there and climbing fences and doing all the stupid stuff a kid at that age shouldn't be doing. But you had to get down there to get there. You know, we were, it was just a lot of fun. We were in much better shape, I think. Yes, I yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so back in the day, to, to, to paint a picture for people that don't know the sport, they were – you know, mostly wooden boats. You had surplus World War II aircraft engines that were running these things. And it was an open cockpit with a driver in a, in a you know, a, a suit, driving suit with a huge monster collared, you know, uh, hopefully flotation device that when the boat would get wild or flip, you hope to clear the boat before the boat landed. Yeah. And that was crazy. Yeah. And now the safety is so much better than what it used to be back then. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we, had a, we had a driver, like I said, we'll get into it later about our wreck, but he did that at 186 miles an hour and he walked away and was at the trophy uh, presentation and half an hour later and woke up the next day, wasn't even sore. That's incredible. Yeah. So do we have this in the Northeast? I'm from New York, New Jersey area. So you guys, is this something that Brent, I'm going to throw this to you being the driver and ladies, like if you like NASCAR and you like the drivers, like I do, I'm seeing Brent and he's a good looking man and he's got the whole package going on here. <laughs> so it's like star quality. We need you to come out East and, and spread the sport around. And I think people would love it. Eric introduced me to it. It's fabulous. So do we have this out by us and where do we go to see it? Yeah. So in the Northeast, uh, it had been there before, um, but we need to bring it back again. And so Caroline, I'm kind of the reverse of you. I lived in North Carolina for about three years and had the chance to go to a NASCAR race. And I'm kicking myself now that I never did. So my offer to you is we need to get yes. you out to a race somehow, one of that's close, mm -hmm. uh, whether the East Coast or have you come out this way to the West Coast, but there's nothing like it. And very similar to Daryl for me, um, you know, I grew up watching these as a kid and every summer we'd have a party on our deck and we had a peak of view view of the race and that just meant summer was here. And I think back with friends and all the times that we had rooting for Atlas Van Line, Circus Circus. But we want to continue that same that same feeling today. And, you know, it's just different. Um, and what I would say is there's a new way to connect with drivers that you couldn't do back then. And so I think about, like, it would be great to have a Facebook page with Bill Muncie and be able to interact mm -hmm. with him. But you can't do that. Yeah. But you can do that with Corey Peabody. You can do that with me. You can do that with Jay Michael. And it's a new way to interact with uh with the drivers that we've never had before and videos of the, you know, of the boats going out, uh, pictures of the boats when they come back in, all that stuff is there for our fans. And whether you're here locally or you're in the Northeast, like you, you can catch the, the race on Facebook. You can also view it live on YouTube. So there's a lot of ways to connect. Yeah. Well, let's get into this a little bit. Daryl, you just had two big races. And I think you probably had the highest of highs and the lowest of lows without somebody getting hurt. Yeah. What I got was the, hurt. what was it? Yeah. Oh, you know, no. Outside of your wallet, my friend, yeah. outside of your wallet and the budget outside of that. <laughs> I mean, you guys went down there in Alabama and won the freaking gold cup, dude. Yeah. And our sixth race we've ever been in. That's uh 
I really, I mean, I can't express how great of a thing that is now lucky we are because some people go 20 years and they've never won it. And yeah. for us to do that is amazing. I mean, that's like having a brand new football team in the first season winning the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't happen in sports, right? No. I mean, it's it's amazing. I mean, it's uh, we were very fortunate to buy really good equipment and get really good drivers. Nobody knew how good Corey was. He was kind of a backup driver. And I like the, I joke because I had a karaoke contest when I was a sponsor in the Tri-Cities. And it was like a wrap off among all the drivers. You think about a bunch of uh, white middle class drivers trying to rap. So it wasn't <laughs> like you're going to going to become a professional if you won this, right? <laughs> and uh, and it's like, uh, Corey won it. And, and when we're looking for a driver, we said, what about that guy that won the rap thing? So that's how, <laughs> that's how we contacted him. And, and here he is, a Gold Cup winner uh, and a great, great driver. Prior to the break, prior to coming on the show, Daryl, he makes it sound like he just picked a winner, but he's got a lot of experience under his belt. So Daryl, kind of tell us how you got into this, because it's not, you've been watching the sport for a long time and you've got eagle eyes and you've been on all sides. So how did you end up picking the boat that won and in your little history? Well, I was a sponsor of a boat uh, for eight years and we had a lot of fun, but we typically finished fourth or fifth. And so you got to learn a lot about maybe how you do, do it differently if you ever did it. And really, we were fortunate enough to get uh, really good boats, really good equipment, because in this sport, you need to start with the best stuff you can buy, um, because it's hard to to grow to that level once you start running. Uh, it's just uh, we're using Army surplus uh, jet engines from the early 1970s, and so if you can amass a lot of this stuff early and get, we were lucky too to get, you know, Corey and then it was an unknown quality. And then he grew up with J. Michael Kelly. They were neighbors and they'd known each other since ah, kindergarten. I didn't and even know that. So yeah, a lot of people would say J. Michael Kelly is, and we just call him Mike in our, yeah. our hits, but uh, you know, Mike's the best driver in the sport to a lot of people. If you mm-hmm. pulled everybody, they say, well, that guy can make any boat fast. He's a lot like Chip Hanauer in yeah. my mind. But to get drivers like that, to get boats like that, and, and we did make financially probably the biggest commitment anybody's made in this sport since Bernie left. Yeah. Um, and for know, people who don't know what Bernie, Bernie is, that's Bernie Little who actually owned and ran the, the Miss Budweiser team that was the – Dominant sport. This was the uh, you can't even call it the Tom Brady because they had way too many wins. It would be like if Tom Brady won for 20 years. That's how that sport went. It was just every single time he would go out there and and run circles. And usually the people that won were because they made a mistake or something broke. In our very first race, we got first and second. And uh, (laughs) the funniest thing I said is after being a sponsor eight years, never winning anything. Somebody goes, you need to come to the trophy presentation. I go, there's trophies? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> You're like, where's that at? <laughs> I've never seen that. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. And then, of course, you know, you had the 
the the low point in the pocketbook and the budget where Corey Peabody flipped the U9 Lynx healthcare. Yeah, wow. he was. It was an epic final. I mean, you live for finals like that. And we tell our drivers, you, you're, we're, we're here to race. Don't back off. Yep. And uh, uh, Home Street with Jimmy Shane is just a fabulous boat. I mean, that mm-hmm. boat is the newest haul. It would have been the the newest Budweiser if they would have yep. stayed in the sport. Um, it's just a fabulous boat. And it's dominated. And we were actually... They got that boat set up, and Corey was right on his outside, and actually he couldn't shake him, and he was mm-hmm. gaining on him. And I mean, we're yep. talking four laps of the final where they're a half a boat length apart. Yep. And then they go into the turn one of the final heat or the final lap, and they hit a roller, mm-hmm. and um, uh, they both went up in the air, and uh, Jimmy's boat thankfully landed. Yep. And. Uh, a piece of Corey's boat broke on the back called the shoe. Yep. And and that actually creates downforce for you. That broke right when they hit the wave. And then he, it looked like he might settle down. He's like floating. And then boom, it just took off. It did two flips, <laughs> I think, and landed kind of on its side and then rolled back to its uh, right side up. And then um, we're all just, you know, um, you know, I mean, it's very dramatic. Corey's kids are crying. You know, I mean, we're all mm-hmm. crying. We're just hoping yeah. he's okay. And yeah. he opens the hatch and crawls out, <laughs> standing on the deck, waiting Stand for on the, the rescue pet. And he just, uh, uh, yeah, and, and it was uh, very dramatic, but it's it doesn't happen too often. I think the last one was in Seattle in um, 2018 or 19. I can't remember yeah. what, what year it was, but um, Cal Phipps flipped uh flipped uh yeah, yep. boat but uh it doesn't happen too often and if you look back in this book i was reading you know they talk about like in a stretch there two or three dire drivers were dying every year oh yeah and yeah. for for the safety and, and i think uh bernie little i mean the budweiser team developed a lot of this cockpit stuff and the safety for i mean you go watch that on video it's dramatic you're thinking somebody wouldn't survive that. And he opens up and he's getting a trophy 30 minutes mm. later. Yeah. Signing autographs. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's crazy. And, and it looked like it. he hung it out there and was like floating for 500 yards. Cause what's the speed when that, that nose lifted, was he, you know, one eighties, one nineties. He told me he's going one eighty six. I think that's the thing too, like where, you know, as a driver, he uh, was doing everything that he needed to do to keep it down. He had his foot on the wing mm-hmm. and just the way he hit that wave in comparison to the way that uh, the home street hit it, it was just enough to get the boat to where the wing couldn't recover. it. And I think that's, that's the part that people don't understand. There's always an armchair quarterback saying, Oh, I wonder if he should have slowed down. It, it happened so fast. He was doing what he needed to do to go win, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what we expect. From if he that. would have been there 15 seconds sooner or 15 seconds later, the wave would have been a different angle. Probably wouldn't even gone over. So it's, yep. it's uh, that's right. You have I mean, natural you think about, parameters with this sport, right? So it's amazing that I mean, nothing's a consistent. The weather plays into that. The waves play into that. That's right. Well, Currents, wind. Yeah. Think about NASCAR driving on a waterbed. That's what I mean. Yeah. This is insane. Good analogy. Well, when I last saw you guys in person, when we were testing down here in Vancouver, Washington, 
on the Columbia River, I was sitting there and I was watching Dave Wilwalk was talking to a couple guys and he talked about where he used to go out and spend hours before races, after races, during the year and would sit there with a lawn chair and watch the river and how it reacted and would mm. study how the currents were and how a, a, a roller would hit over here and it would go to here and break this way. And it was, it was very much scientific as he was studying to see, to read how those things happened. And it was kind of a fascinating conversation that I was, you know, just watching going, I had no idea that he was studying things like that back in the, and it seemed, I think that was back in the Budweiser days. It seemed like he was doing that earlier on in his career, but I was, I was surprised that he was putting in that level back then of just trying to figure out how the water worked. Yeah. He's one of the smartest guys I've ever talked to. You should have him on the show sometime, Eric. I mean, he is a great interview. I mean, the guy, the guy, what he will tell you, I mean, I sit and listen to him talk for hours in the pits. I mean, I'm, I mean, he is so smart. And uh, I hear he's mellowed, mellowed with age. He's 68. He's still out there beating everybody. I mean, <laughs> really fast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, 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 got, uh, he's been through just about everything out there, I think, as many years as he's got in the boat. You know, and, and, and vice versa. Brent, you're an upcoming driver, man. You're out there looking yep. for a ride right now. You know, you're, yeah. you're, you've been working up the, up the circuits, doing all the, the other more limited, you know, class races throughout the different boat leagues and, and doing that. And man, you're like next up as I see out there. Nice. Wow. Thank you. You know, and that's an honor. And I think one of the things that I've always focused on is leveraging my strengths. And I definitely understand the marketing side of it. And Caroline, I think you were wondering a little bit about, hey, how did you even get started yes. with this? And for me, I started with radio control and I really never thought about, oh, yeah, I want to drive one. But actually, I had the chance to meet Harold Mills, who's my mentor. And uh, someone said, hey, how would you like to meet the first um, black driver to ever drive at Seafair? And I said, you don't have to ask me twice. Let's go. So I went and met him and, uh, you know, he was kind of checking me out. I said, hey, I'd love to do anything, wipe down the boat, whatever. And he's like, mm-hmm. Uh, but he wanted to see if if I had the follow through skills. Yeah. So he didn't give me a position right away. And he said, OK, well, give me a call at this time on the dot. Called at that time and I crewed for him in 2005. And my thought was, hey, I'm going to be the marketing guy for him and help him get into an unlimited. But he retired that next year. So I was like, hmm, well, maybe what I'll do is I'll lease a boat. We'll do a fundraiser for kids and see if I can get it around the course. And that was 2007. Then I've had the opportunity to drive several different types of boats and test drove the nine in 2012. And that was a little bit like test driving a Ferrari before you're ready to buy one. It was a chance for me to see what it was like. Uh, and I, I got it around the course. I think my average speed was 139 miles an hour, but I knew I needed more time in a class below that. So I spent the last six years racing for hop racing and Grand Prix and uh, got some more seat time there and now ready to take a swing at that Ferrari again. Nice. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. And man, you're, you, what I love about this sport is there's no ego that the, that the fans see with the drivers. It is such a fan centric, good people racing thing where and, and, and I'll be honest, it wasn't always that way, but the, the last number of years, I think it has been really 
has shifted even more towards just that access that the fans get to the drivers, the boats, the course, see what's going on. It's a sport that I think is that I was scared of maybe a decade ago going away that has really turned around into something that I think its best days are still ahead of it. I'm going to ask an amateur question and it may not be amateur. I don't know. But so in NASCAR, they have created the cars, you know, it never used to be like this back in the day, right? It was like, who could make the better car? And then it became, everything was equal. Every car was equal. The motors were equal. And it became about the driver and the course. And what I think excites me about the sport is that it's sort of the NASCAR of the old day. Do you control, like, does everybody have a different type of boat? Are you limited? Are you all using the same engine or are you able to tinker with it more so like the beginning days of NASCAR where they could, you know, put a little nitrous or whatever they did in the, in the engine and nobody (laughs) said anything. So that fascinates me. Yeah. You can, um, uh, we all have to use the same basic engine, Mm -hmm. but there's probably a variation of 300 horsepower. They would run anywhere from 2,700 up to, say, Mm 3,000. And so some boats are definitely faster than other boats. And it's very interesting is there's, we call them go fast guys. It's the old guys. I don't know, Brent, (laughs) maybe there's seven or eight of them in the sport. And if you're lucky enough to work with one, they'll set the wings different. Uh, I think we got a couple guys now working on our boat today, the Campbell brothers. And, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, they'll get that boat ride. They learn how to, like, adjust that wing, everything. And so They're it's just dialing it in. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, because different than NASCAR, you want to suck into the ground. Uh, these boats, you want to get them in the air. You want only the rudder and the uh, propeller, um, you know, in the in the water. But even the propeller design and what you buy and, and – uh, like Bill Walk, they make their own propellers. And like I told you, he's smart. He can do anything on this, it seems yeah. like. And we yeah. have somebody that will start a prop program next year where we make our own. But it's even how you shape those. And you it might be five miles an hour difference by how you build that prop. Mm-hmm. So there's all kinds of things, Caroline, that you can do to get better. That's great. And those props, when they let loose and fail... It is a violent occurrence on the back frame of a boat. Let me tell you, I've seen some some disasters on the back. This isn't like blowing an engine. This is like the driveline in the car letting go at 200 miles an hour, and it wants to tear everything else up. That, that can cause some extreme damage when you have, you know, 3,000 horsepower banging a piece of off-centered metal around in the back of a boat. Yeah, and these things spin I've heard anywhere from 6,000 RPMs to 11,000 RPMs. So there's yeah. a lot Ooh. of stress on them. That's a big Cuisinart. <laughs> speaking of home improvement. Yeah, yeah speaking of that. Yeah, you got that in there. Nice. So, so speaking of home improvement, Daryl, you're now probably trying to assess a boat that came back on a trailer in multiple pieces and you're probably trying to figure out what's going on with that. How's that coming? And you don't have to give any secrets if you don't want to here, because I'm happy nobody got hurt, but I know there's a, a, a large project of DIY putting that thing back together. Yeah, when you put it on the trailer and you're strapping pieces onto the boat so it won't fly uh, off uh, when you drive it back uh, on the trailer, good. that's not a good thing. But uh, <laughs> yeah, what we did, I mean, we're lucky we have two boats we race, so we just uh, called all the sponsors, moved them all to the other boat. 
mm-hmm. and we'll run them all on one boat the rest of the year. And uh, what we decided is we could have done a, a patch job and tried to get it back as quick as, as we could, but uh, we decided to totally rebuild it. So it's going to be an eight to 10 month project. So we won't see that boat till uh, next season. It's a remodel. But we're, yeah, we <laughs> see remodel, this yeah. is a remodel show. So we are, uh, we yeah. are remodeling that boat. Yeah. Well, I can imagine. I mean, and I've seen, you know, the restoration processes on the older boats and this stuff. Uh, do you pretty much just tear that thing back down to square one? Or are you going to start with a whole new, a whole new boat with that? And the whole center section of the boat looked like it hadn't been damaged. Yeah, it looked clean. So that looked good. I mean, the spar came off. That's a, a the brace on the front that uh, mm-hmm. kind of holds the side pieces, the sponsons yep, together. And uh, but the canard, which would be the front wing that that adjusts the height of of the front of the boat, we could never find it. <laughs> I don't know what happened to it, oh, but no. the divers went down and they couldn't find it. I go, it's bright orange. But uh, couldn't, couldn't find it somewhere in the Ohio River in Indiana. But uh, I was going to say it'll show up someplace in somebody's wall. In somebody's we'll see it yard. On Facebook, so. Yeah, yeah. So yard art. So it, it's uh, we're lucky we have uh, Jeff Campbell and his brother Mike, who know everything about that particular boat and won national championships in that boat, and to have guys like that that are willing to rebuild it. And the cool thing is you hear them say, I've always wanted to do this to this boat. And so now we're just going to say it's a clean slate. You can do uh, what you want. And look how fast we had made that. That's the oldest boat racing. What's the history on that hole, by the way? Um, It started in 2000. Well, it won its first Gold Cup in uh, 2001. So to have one hole win 2001, uh, somewhere in about the – won 2018 – and it won in 2022. But to have a 21-year difference between first win and last win in Gold Cup has never happened before. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. <clears throat> I love the name it had. The sponsor in 2001 mm-hmm. was Tubby's Subs <laughs> out, of, out of Detroit. And I'm, nice. I'm going to call them next year, and I'll say, I'll put your logo on the boat for free. But we just want to run a, a sticker of Tubby's Subs uh, just to say, uh, look, we remember the history of this hall. That's awesome. What were some of the other names that the sponsors on there that were the big ones? Do you remember? Before we bought it, it was Les Schwab, yep. Mike Jones. I remember that. And, yep. uh, um, and it was called Les Schwab, Red Dot. It was called a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, I think the boat first started out in 1992. It was a, uh, it had like two different wings or three wings. It was two. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And then it got reconfigured. It, it's broken up before and gotten rebuilt. Most <laughs> boats are, you know, have, yeah. have that happen to them. But uh, I don't know what it was called. Uh, I've been going back. Do you know, Brent? I mean, it's like. I'm not sure what's popping in my head. I'm not sure if, it's the, if it was the X-Side, but oh, it seems like yeah. that's the name that I'm remembering. I don't know. The X-Side too. It might have been. Yeah. Um, yep. So it's a. Uh, I mean, it's the way the sport is. Uh, Mike Hansen, who's a crew chief for the Madison Home Street Goodman team, mm-hmm. he was driving that. He won the first Gold Cup in it in 2001 as a driver. That's so funny. it just shows how this sport kind of ebbs and flows. I have a question for Brent. 
Can you describe to okay. the audience what does it feel like to, I mean, I've driven a, around a track, right? So what is the sensation? Like yep. I'm putting you on the spot, but give us a description of what this feels like when you're driving one of these things. Hey, we can talk about this all day. No, it's, it's an amazing <laughs> experience. So as a driver, and I'll share two different views, one in an unlimited. So I, when I test drove it in 2012, You'll hear some people talk about it like driving a school bus, which doesn't seem like the way you describe going 200 miles an hour. But basically with an unlimited, there's a turbine engine and it takes a while for it to spool up. So I remember getting in it and I was like, wow, it's taking a bit for this to go. And then I looked to my left and I saw buoys going by. This was a test session, so not in race water. But once you hit the corner at three, three to five G's, then you know how fast you're going. God. Um, so the pull, you're trying to keep your head off the other side of the windshield and, you know, stay straight. And then think about doing that in between two massive rooster tails that can be tons of water right next to you. And if you go into that, uh, that can cause havoc on the boat. It can blow you over. So you're always kind of aware. But if the boat and Daryl was mentioning this earlier, if the boat is is flying the way it should, it starts getting light. So you start to notice that less bouncing off the water, it starts getting light. That means just the prop and the, the skid fin are in the water, and that's optimum. Now, obviously, you're you're watching the kind of the is the nose getting too high, and that's where you use your left foot uh, to control that front wing. But the whole goal is to keep the boat off the water, not scrubbing off speed, and um, as you get into the corner, hook it up on the skid fin. But then when you're in the corner, you actually need air under the boat. So that's when you drop that front wing to get as much air under the boat as possible so that you can get through the corner, um, you know, as fast as you possibly can. But boats have different attitudes. So driving an unlimited is one thing, but a Grand Prix, you know, definitely, um, you know, you step on it and it kind of squirrels a bit. So uh, a little bit different horsepower to, to weight ratio, but the unlimited is by far, you know, just the amazing uh, kind of pinnacle of, of where drivers want to get to and, and to feel that absolute speed. Amazing. Yeah. So Daryl, where do you see the sport going now? I mean, I, I'm so excited for, you know, unlimited racing here with hydroplanes because I see it as, you know, at least in my opinion, it's the new heyday coming out. It's, it's, it's almost like it's reborn again. And in the fan experience, uh, do you see more boats coming on? Do you see, what do you see kind of, if you're going to get a crystal ball out, what's your predictions? Well, we all know where all the boats are. I think I, I, I thought there's 14 raceable boats out there. Mm -hmm. And if we could get, I mean, right now we might be racing six or seven of them, but the great thing is you can put on a great show because they're all really fast. Yeah. Um, I would like to get maybe eight or 10 back to racing. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's. I think we need to introduce new people to the sport because, yes. uh, uh, just to give you an idea, you know, we started posting videos on Facebook and uh, Instagram and uh, Twitter, but mostly Facebook. And since September of last year, we've had 10.2 million views See? of wow. our videos. And I mean, this is a sport that gets 10,000 a year. And yeah. so you look, there is this. I mean, most of them we found. Um, have never seen one before. So it's not mm -hmm. hardcore fans. They're sharing it with their friends because they can't believe uh, a boat is going this fast on the water. Yeah. So I think if we can capture it, you know, over the years, we probably haven't managed the sport the best in, in putting on a show. 
And if you're a hardcore fan, you just kind of look past it because you understood everything. But if you have to explain a race to somebody that's never seen it and tell them why it was good, then you're missing yeah. something. You know, it's it's got to yeah, be man. inherently good. And uh, I think uh, um, we can do a better job of that. And I think we really have. We've cleaned up, uh, you know, the rules and, and not eliminating people so much. And uh, But the biggest thing is the boats are better. I mean, mm-hmm. I think the unlimited class, like Brent said, it has to be unreal compared to the next level down for this to really be the sport it should be. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I'll say about this sport that I think is amazing is how, you know, you guys are really competitive out there, but when the boats are on the trailers, there's a lot of camaraderie and friendship between the teams too. This isn't a us versus them thing. It's it's one huge family out there, which feels good as a, as a spectator and, you know, a lifelong fan of it is to watch that, that, you know, it's, it's not what you see with the, like, you know, you see every NASCAR movie where the one team wants to go beat up the other team. That's not what unlimited racing is about. Oh yeah. I mean, we're giving each other parts. We're, uh, I mean, we understand that if we don't have people to race, you know, there, there's no point in showing up. And I will say, like, I called Kelly Stockham this morning. His book got busted up. Mine got busted up. I was telling Brand earlier, somebody said something funny, and we're laughing like little kids on the phone this morning because mm-hmm. we're really good friends. And so you, well, I look at it, and the other owners, they're not my competitors. They're my partners mm-hmm. in, right. in a sport. And there's uh, only four or five owners in this sport. And so we have, we need each other. We have to work together a lot. And, and you're right. It's like a family reunion when you get in the pits and like Brent and I were talking like at Madison, Brent was with us in the pits and it's like a reality show, isn't it, Brent? (laughs) (laughs) That's what you need for your marketing. You need to make this a reality show and then you'll be like, that's it. You'll be all over New York, LA. Everybody will want you guys. Brent and I were talking about that just in <laughs> Daryl, you were there too going, man. I mean, I mean, there's, there's literally rocket scientists that work on some of the teams that are That's like right. yeah, NASA approved people. It yeah. really is. Yeah. And I'm not kidding. Yeah. You know, I'm talking to this yeah. guy and, and my buddy Joel goes, you know, he was the computer guy that put all the Apollo rockets into space. And I'm like, the guy I was making electrical jokes too awesome you know and it's it's just that kind of stuff you know it's just we were making home improvement jokes back and forth and uh you know he was complaining about the uh the gfci outlets in the pits and i and i was making a joke about it and i'm like oh yeah that's so people don't do stupid things and he started laughing and he goes huh that's why i like to switch the outlets out we all laughed and kept one you know kept walking our way but that's the cool thing about this sport that i think that more people need to check it out. And I hope that there's other owners that come in, you know, are those boats that are, that are not in the water these days? Are they, are they in a place where, you know, you think that people could come in or are there plans for some of those or a lot of them just sitting in, in warehouses in Auburn, Washington? Some of them are ready to, uh, it's funny. Most of the ones that aren't racing are in Detroit owned, owned by one guy. And if we can get two or three of those, uh, out racing, there's a guy, getting his boat ready in Alabama. He should be racing mm-hmm. next year. I mean, we all talk all the time. Yeah. And uh, um, everybody who owns a boat has this incredible passion 
uh, for this sport just to just thrive, you know, yes. and, and I feel it's on the upswing. I mean, I'll put it this way. The first two races we did back East, both promoters said it's the best race they'd had in years. That's what you want. Yeah. That's what you want. And you know, it's, it's funny because you know, what I like about this sport too, is, you know, if you watch NASCAR, when they go through their tech inspections, they've got a whole cut out of the car that everything has to fit this little piece right there. Mm -hmm. And that's not the way unlimited hydroplane racing is. I mean, you've got specifications for a boat, but it's not that they bring out the template and say, well, this has to be here. This has mm -hmm. to be there. There's not this thousand page rule book that says that, you know, you have to do this. Of course there's rules to make it. So there's a fair fight out there, but it's not insanity like NASCAR is. Right. And we, like we went, one of our boats, the one J. Michael Kelly drives, uh, uh, he got cut off in one lane in Alabama and had to go through the rooster tail and, uh, the sponsons, which if you don't know about hydroplanes are the two tips, you know, yep. that, that come out, one broke off the tip. So probably a foot of the, the last one where it comes to a point just got sheared off. And, and, but by the time I got back to the pits, they'd already been to the hardware store, bought two big sheets of uh, styrofoam and they cut it into molded in that place and duct taped it to the boat. Hmm. And we, we were able to race the rest of the, that weekend set up that way. Yeah. And then, then we went that when we got to Madison, Indiana, we were able to put like some uh, uh, tape that kind of hardened into like a fiberglass feel. Mm -hmm. And then when we got home, we had that piece already made. So we we're putting that back on. But it just shows you there's a lot of duct tape in this sport. <laughs> yeah, well, let's talk about this real quick before I got a question for Brent. You know, what what's the, the primary build of these boats? You know, I mean, back in the day when I was a little kid and Daryl, when you were watching all the way up through your teens, these were a lot of wooden boats, right? I mean, there was a lot of mahogany on the top of the decks of like Bartles and things like that that were really cool. What do you see in boat construction these days? Well, there's no wood. <laughs> yeah, there's exactly uh, there's honeycomb uh, fiberglass. There's a uh, carbon fiber. Mm -hmm. uh, there's yep. some titanium pieces. Um, yep. There's uh, the idea is uh, the minimum weight of one of these is sixty five hundred pounds. Mm. And so you want to get as close to that as you can. But they're going to run anywhere from sixty five to about sixty eight uh, hundred pounds. All the boats, obviously, the lighter you get, the uh, um, the faster you get. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but it's amazing really, but I'd say most of it's honeycomb Ooh. fiberglass. Yeah. And then, um, I mean, we even went so far as on one of our boats, the same weight, there's like these little deck hatches where mm -hmm. you can unscrew them, take it off so you can reach down in the deck and work on things. And I think we have 20 of them on a boat somewhere around there. And in one of our boats, we made all of those, uh, carbon fiber. Yeah. Instead of metal, we save six, 60 pounds. So, that's a lot of weight. That's a lot of weight. Especially when you're trying to go fast. So Yes, yeah. I think I'm hearing Daryl say I need to go on a diet. That's yeah. what I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't think, Brent, that should be a concern. It's You're not talking about me or Daryl. <laughs> We're not in the boat racing. I think yeah. in the little boats, it matters. I know, yeah, exactly. Really but I'm saying you're, you're, yeah. you're the jockey and we look more like the owners. So <laughs> even though I'm exactly. not a boat owner. <laughs> yeah, somebody asked me if I drove the boat. I said, I don't think I fit actually down <laughs> in the cockpit. It's pretty snug. 
Speaking of racing, I did that one time. I actually got to do the uh, the Dale Jarrett School of Racing at Talladega, so I got to do eight laps out there. And I tell you what, I'm not a small guy, and getting in there was uh, – I'm happy I'm not claustrophobic because it was like climbing in the, the smallest of crawl spaces under a house to get in there. By the time you put the Hans device on, uh, yep. you, were, you were in a very tiny metal box. Yeah. There's a – on our Facebook, we just – Somebody posted a picture. We have like a, a camera inside the cockpit. Mm-hmm. Did you see that one, Brent? It was a Corey Drive. Yeah. Yes. And he never blinks. And he looks really calm. I mean, he's going 190 miles an hour in a boat. Oh my God. If you see out the window beside him, things are flying by, boats are flying by. He just looks like he's driving on a Saturday morning in a <laughs> car. Grandpa. But he, yeah, his head, head bobbing, but yeah, yeah bobbing, his eyes are just focused. Never blinks yeah. one time. Yeah. <laughs> It, was that the one? Amazing. Was that the video where the camera had kind of spun around and it? Yeah. yeah okay, I saw that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was Sunday driving. It looked like Caroline and I were out driving our convertibles out, just enjoying the summertime Sunday afternoon, and he's out there just screaming down the river. Yeah, and it was amazing. But it's a uh, they're wired different. They're not normal. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I always joke though. Like, I'll go 180 in a hydroplane, but I never want to fly my own plane. That's just not my thing. Are you a fast? <laughs> so I think everyone has. Like, Are you a fast nope, driver, no Brent? Like, do you drive your car fast? No, I'm a five over. But boy, if you're in a boat and it's a sanctioned race, love to put my That's foot so in. Crazy. Yep. Yeah, but to describe Brent, he's like one of the calmest, chillest guys I know. I see. You know, and I can see where he gets out there, and it's like it's mission time. I can see where you get focused and and dangerous. Yeah, no, I just get quiet. Yep, you that's know, what I'll I mean. talk later, but yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. that's when you got to. Where can we have these races? So are they limited? I mean, can you do it in cold water? Can you do can you do it a lake, a river? To expand the sport and come out to other places, what's required? Um, lakes are nice. Rivers are nice. I mean, they're really if you went to the Tri Cities, Washington, and saw the Columbia River. That is the perfect venue. It's probably um, half a mile wide, you think, and it's mm-hmm. like yeah. it's it's got viewing areas on both sides. But it's anywhere from you know a lake to uh, the Ohio River is a little narrower, so they have, mm-hmm. they just kind of configure the course. Um, it's been a lot of different places. We're running five big weekend events this year. Uh, it could be up to eight next year. It's uh, some years it's run 10 in the past, and it's been all the way from Miami to Washington, D.C. to, uh, uh, I mean, you name it. We've been all over the country. So if it, if you have a body of water and you have good viewing ideas where you can uh, actually get a crowd there but but contain it so you can charge admission and pay for everything, that's kind of what they're looking right. for at a site mm. is, yeah. uh, you know, can you be next to a park, you know, something like that where you can get good, a good crowd area. Mm, yeah, that's the that's the beauty of the Tri-Cities is is to describe that to you, Caroline, and to our audience that doesn't know this. It's a nice straight river right there. You've got parks and, and, and access to the river all the way down on both, on sides. both sides. So you yeah. can... And, and it's limited access into those areas. So you can, you can charge admission, you can control the crowd, you can, you know, have the beer gardens, all the things to make that a successful event. Cause it's not a charity race. It's, yeah. you know, they got to be able to make money so they can market it and, and keep it safe for the people out there viewing. But, uh, 
Yeah, it's. I see what you mean by it's the perfect, and you're right on top of the course. It's not like it's out in the middle yeah. of a lake where you're going, oh, I can't, I can't see the backstretch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you need to, you guys need to fly into Tri-Cities. Caroline, you need to come to the Tri-Cities. Yep. I have a VIP tent right at the start-finish line. Oh, and uh, you fly in, and we'll put you in that tent. Awesome! There we go. Take it with your so name on it. Yeah. I've got a twenty-three road trip. Hey, I have a company name that I want on a logo on a boat. That would be awesome. <laughs> I am a CEO, besides other things that I do. So, yeah. Daryl does accept checks. <laughs> we do. Like, <laughs> home yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that that's that's the fun thing with this sport is that that you get to watch it, you get to see it, you get to experience it, and and and, and enjoy it. And you know, Brent, I just see so many great things moving forward for you coming up into the sport, especially if we can get a few more drivers out there that have boats, you know, get you into a boat out there one of these days. It's going to be excellent to see. And uh, and Daryl, man, you're just out there crushing it for somebody that's that's new to the ownership game, right? I yes. mean, this is new to you, and you're out there competing and winning. I mean, you win the Gold Cup. And you're new to the sport. It's just I'm excited for you and your team and and what I would call the official team of Around the House show here, Strong Racing. Uh, you got a lot to be proud of, brother. Well, you got to marry right. And so my wife is really yeah. – that really helps a lot. Well said. Uh-huh. Well said. <laughs> he looks over his shoulder. If you didn't see that, you couldn't see that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So are you, are you going to stick with two boats for a while? Is that kind of your game plan for now? Yeah, I think uh, we've talked. We uh, we probably need to buy a backup hull at yep. some point. So when when we lose a boat, we can uh, get the you know the vinyl from the sponsors on that boat and and be in the next race with that boat. So we'll get there, you know, and we'll we're looking at a few to see if we can get that third boat. Uh, and again, it's not a cheap sport to get into. It's not like you can go out and uh, this isn't like going down to the car dealership and buying a new race car. This is. Uh, you know, those are not cheap boats to put in. And then, of course, all the parts you got to throw at them. That's right. Yeah. we. I mean, really, the you look at our shop is 18,000 square feet. I mean, you have to buy a forklift. You got to buy all these tools. You got to buy engines. You've got to set up an engine room, a gearbox room. I mean, they're just uh, we want to be a professional racing team. I mean, I want you to walk into that shop and feel like you're in a NASCAR shop. Yeah, we wanted to feel like, look, we are serious about this. Yeah, and then you just spend the whole off season basically rebuilding boats, don't you? You got the teams going, and everybody's, you know, doing all the maintenance or or even putting boats back together. In this case, yeah, you you have the the crews you race with, and then you probably go down about half that many people that actually um, will work all winter, and. Uh, I mean, it's like a second job. They're coming there after their job at four or five in the afternoon and working till 10, um, five days a week. Yeah, that's, and that, that's, that doesn't take a, that's a, that's a serious commitment to do that as a, as a, as an owner. That's the crazy part with that is that, you know, that this is a 365 day sport for you. Yeah. And it's, uh, um, you know, you have, two big refrigerators full of beer, pop, everything you can think of. And that's the currency that you need to support. <laughs> yep. There's a lot of volunteers, a lot of people helping, a lot of friends and family. And, and uh, that what's what makes a team. 
But these families that race, um, I mean, Corey's, if you watch the video, you know, Corey's father passed away four or five weeks ago and he was one of mm -hmm. our, our, our truck drivers and, uh, he was retired and, uh, we're having the memorial service for him tomorrow mm -hmm. in our shop. The family oh. asked if they could do it in our shop because this is a central place for a lot of these families. And we even have mm -hmm. areas where they can bring their kids. Um, we found if we have a place for the kids, because a lot of them bring their kids, we have the beer, we have a pizza oven, and we have mm -hmm. about 30 frozen pizzas. And then we're set. Yeah. <laughs> I'm there. Yeah. yeah. Well, spe yeah. speaking of family affair, Brent, you got uh, you got family racing too. I do, and you know, and actually, I'm glad Daryl you brought this up at the end. Um, the family environment that you've created for strong racing is absolutely amazing. I'm new to the the family, but everyone welcomed me with open arms, sung happy birthday to me. I mean, they really know how to make you feel like you're part of the family. But boy, the kids and all of our kids are you know similar in age, and some of them race. Uh, there are going to be kids, um, mine included, uh, Jay Michaels, who are going to be racing in a demo at Seafair. So I think that's something that's really exciting. But you know, it, it's amazing to see the kids uh, get together as well. So the big kids, we all have fun and we get together and talk. And, but the little kids, they're building some relationships, overnights at different people's houses. It's it's really been a special environment for little Brent. Many of his lifelong relationships are starting through boat racing. Nice. So it means a lot. That is just awesome. And that's, but that's the environment. And as a dad, that's the, that's the environment I want my kids to be in. You know, man, if, if I would have been with my kids, you know, I look back and go, man, that would have been fun to be involved at that level with that at that you know yeah, that's he's on cloud now. oh yeah he really is he you know getting to hang out and learn about boat racing he won his first race a couple weekends ago while the team was in gunnersville beyond proud as a dad that's awesome well we got two big races coming up right guys so we got the hapo columbia cup july 29th through 31st coming up and that's in the tri-cities washington and then we got seafair in seattle the home street bank cup august 5th yeah. through 7th so we got some big big legendary races in the world of unlimited hydrate plan coming up yeah we're excited i mean i most of the teams are actually uh um based out of the seattle area so uh, mm -hmm. that always makes it um was well, an owner it makes us the cheapest race for us airfare. yeah yeah but no it, it becomes like the focal point of, of most of the people i think the seattle race yeah, that's right. And then uh, San Diego is the next race after that. Is that how that works? Yeah, cool. it's in September. And uh, the best thing about the San Diego race is it's in San Diego. Nice. Nice. Well, anything else we didn't talk about, guys? Anything else that we didn't touch on today that we should mention out to our listeners out there? And, of course, we want those people in uh, in Seattle and in Tri-Cities and the surrounding area to go hit the race and support it because uh, that's why we're here is to help make sure that we get people out to that race because uh, those are big times. And uh, I know, Daryl, you're going to throw it all out there, aren't you? We are, yeah. And the, I think the, the thing people don't realize about these – uh, boats is uh, every race course gets different set of gears and that really the secret Brant wouldn't you agree the secret to this sport is knowing which gears to run in which race and so the Seattle race 
gets the shortest gears of any of the five races because uh, it's the straights are shorter, the turns are, I mean, they're harder to get out of, the, the water's a little choppier. So that's Great. what I've learned about it, owning boats that I didn't know before. Uh, but every race, we put a different set of gears in. Kind well, of that makes yeah, that makes sense because, like on Lake Washington, you don't have this big, huge kern of a water where that where that hole is now down. You know, two laps later is now you know, hundred yards down the river with the current. <laughs> Once those things kind of get choppy, it just gets choppy out there. If you can't get out of turn two in Seattle, you're not going to win. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Daryl Strong, Brent Hall, thank you both for thank taking the guys. time to get here today. And uh, we'll come back and visit this even more. And uh, I think, uh, Caroline, we're going to have to get you on a, on a plane for 2023 uh, I think racing got, season. Maybe we'll come out here. That's you know. done. And you guys got to come to the East Coast. I mean, we need a race here somewhere in New York. <laughs> I mean, we've got a lot of waterways, agree, even the Carolinas, right? right? I bet you've got some connections. Yeah. Yep. Let's get it done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So Caroline, we can work this out so you can come out here. We'll do some, uh, in studio around the house stuff. Maybe we can uh, do it's that. It's going to make me work the, guys. Uh, you see, it's always about the work. I'm going to make him. them work. Make it work. work. See, <laughs> I'm going to go yeah, and go with you guys. Right, we can get you to two races. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want pizza and beer. Forget, <laughs> forget work. I got enough work. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks again. I'm Eric G. And I'm Caroline B. And you've been listening to Around Around the the House. Somewhere unseen and undiscovered. Anywhere beyond the mean. Life is a love song. Let's be lovers. We're all over the radio. Take my Hey, it's Eric G. from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand-molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.